0: Hey, folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for tuning in to Fat-Burning Man, where we help you look, feel, and perform at your best. What do you want to be when you grow up? I remember being so excited hearing that question when I was a kid because I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle or play professional basketball, like Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson. It was all I wanted to do, and truth be told, I probably have a lot better luck of being a Ninja Turtle, especially now, but our guest this week actually did it. He played pro ball. He wasn't the biggest or the fastest or the most talented, but it turns out it takes a lot more than just that to make it to the pros. So our guest's name is Niyi Shobo. He's a former NFL pro running back for the New Orleans Saints. So against all odds, how does a little guy make it to the pros? You're about to find out. But before we get to the interview, I wanna share an email that you may remember from another NFL player, Will Montgomery. He lost an astonishing 80 pounds By trying the wild diet and just eating real food. Here's what he says. He wrote in, down 80 pounds. Listen to almost every podcast. I've learned some things from your podcast, like the importance of probiotics and healthy fats, like olive and coconut oils. I also liked hearing about the importance of grass-fed beef and wild salmon versus corn-fed beef and farm salmon. Learning about healthy snacks was big, too. I didn't think my palate could change, but when I have a cheat meal like pizza or ice cream, I now feel sick to my stomach, which makes me want those poor food choices even less. This football season was my first year without football since seventh grade. I played 10 years in the NFL playing offensive line, so I had to maintain my weight around 305 to play center. I had a few injuries that last few years and doctors recommended that I no longer play. I just hit my goal of 225 today, down from 305 with the Bears last year. Even though I was in shape for the NFL, now I can breeze up and down steps, cross my legs, and buy clothes at the store versus online. Recently bought size 34 jeans, down from size 42 jeans, and I've had to punch two extra holes in my belt. Thanks, Will Montgomery. Will, I get shivers when I read that. Uh, It's such an inspiring story, especially considering the fact that you were in great shape Physically, you know, you could do things with fitness that would surprise most anyone you played pro ball But when it comes to your health walking up and downstairs I think a lot of people who uh, watch pro sports wouldn't realize that health and fitness are actually quite different things They can be complementary, but not always so will thank you so much for sharing if you're listening to this the audio only version and you want to check out will's pictures I highly encourage you to do that Uh, You can also get the whole video version of every show for free at fatburningman.com. Here's another important point I'd like to touch on. You do not have to be perfect. Your body doesn't adapt to your occasional missteps. It adapts to what you do habitually every day, usually when you're not paying attention, under the radar. Those things that you're doing during the week, every day. Not necessarily when you uh, enjoy the holidays with your friends and family or you take a little weekend or... Uh, You just enjoy yourself from time to time. Freedom is a part of this lifestyle. But at the same time, it's those little things, those, those habits that you build. So if you eat clean most of the time, but your beef isn't grass-fed, your eggs aren't pasture-raised, and your vegetables are conventionally raised, not the organic hippie variety, you'll still get great results and be light years ahead of where you started when you were eating conventional foods like we were taught to in schools and from the food pyramid. Once you turn that on its head, you get rid of all those cheap garbage grains that make us fat and sick, then... Interesting things start to happen, and that momentum starts to build, whether or not you have a beer every once in a while. Your palate will be changing, as Will mentioned, too, as as you adopt uh, a style of clean eating like the wild diet. But don't worry about spending a whole bunch of money or only eating from farmer's markets for the rest of your life. It's, It's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Just do the best you can. That's probably the piece of advice that people when they, when I'm signing books or people come up to me and they said that they read it. That's their favorite piece of advice is do the best you can. I am not perfect. Allison's not perfect. Anyone you hear about who gets great results. Nobody's being perfect, so just do the best you can. So how do you get started living wild, if this sounds interesting to you? Well, right now, you can get 30 days of wild meal plans for free when you try our program. All you have to do to get the deal is from any device, visit fatburningman.com slash 30 days. That's the number 30, D-A-Y-S. Or if you just want to dip your toes in, then you can also get A free seven-day sample meal plan at fatburningman.com when you type in your email address or when you take our handy-dandy quiz. All right, on to the show with Nigi. You're about to learn how to be successful when starting on a new path, why some people persevere when others quit, what it really takes to make it to the NFL or NBA or anywhere else you want to go, how Nigi gets his kids to love sprints, and much more. Let's get to the show. All right, folks, Ni Shobo is a former NFL running back and All-American athlete. These days, he's a performance coach who helps top performers build supreme confidence and dominate under pressure. He's also the host of the Sports Motivation and Get Your Mind Right podcast on iTunes, which already have over a million downloads he's a husband and father of five and i hear he takes his family out for hill sprints on saturday mornings that's rockstar status Nee. i'm really glad you're here man uh you're walking the walk so thank you for that
1: yo thanks so much abel it's great to be on man and i'm excited
0: your work has uh spoken for itself you invited me on your show when you were kind of getting getting started there and i was uh very honored uh, for that because it, it was obvious immediately that you were serious about right, this right, you weren't right. just like starting a podcast or kind of like <laughs> building a website because someone yeah. said that it was a good yeah. idea it was clear that you were building the uh, or bringing the spirit that you developed and the discipline that you developed from a career uh, at, at, at the top of your field being a pro athlete but uh, I understand that you were actually a walk-on Right. You you didn't start at the top.
1: Oh, no, absolutely not, man. And and before I go into that, man, I I appreciate that. That to me is very validating to hear that from you, because as you know, in this space, there's a ton of people doing a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's becoming more and more easier to sift through, you know, a lot of the noise. Mm -hmm. But. I take what I do very serious, you know, very serious, so much so that I quit my job as a firefighter last year to do what I'm doing full time. And I've been able to hit the the six figure mark pretty quickly. So this is I'm all in, man. So when you say that, that makes me feel good. But, yeah, I didn't start. I didn't start at the top by any means. I was the third out of four boys. My dad was from Nigeria. He came here when he was 18. And we were a soccer family. All my brothers played soccer. Family played soccer. My dad didn't even know what football was. And huh. when I was in about sixth grade, I got a little chunkier. You know what? I, yeah. I hated running, dude. I couldn't stand running. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't want to play soccer anymore. Like, I want to play football. Yeah. And I, I started at seventh grade, fell in love with it. Um, in high school, they didn't have a football team at my school. So I had to take the bus across uh, across the city about an hour and a half each day after school to go to practice. Wow. And then ultimately, I walked on to Oregon State. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't amazing in high school. I was good and I was on a horrible team, but I was never amazing. But the thing that I always did, and it's funny because I played with so many players, uh, you know, at every stage, there was always guys around me who were super way better than me, you know, mm-hmm. like, and supposed to be going to the next level and guys who were supposed to get college scholarships, but it never worked out. And it always tripped me out. Like, I'm like, these guys were so much better than me. How are they now? you know, pumping gas or just like while I'm like at the college level. Now I'm playing pro while these guys that I was in college with, these were four or five star recruits. Hmm. I just loved I love the sport and I love to get better. So like I just always was evolving. I was always improving and I was very, very curious. I would ask a lot of questions and i've always been self-driven always been motivated and i think in part is how how my dad raised us, gave us a lot of freedom um and, and in turn we develop a lot of trust in ourselves so so yeah i didn't start at the top man even when i you know i played football for the uh, uh professional football for the saints for a couple years and even when i got there i was a i was a walk-on or not a walk-on but a rookie free agent which mm-hmm. is the equivalent of being a walk-on right you're pretty much like a temp, you know what i mean like yeah. so if guys if guys get hurt you're in but you know uh you go through the camp process and then as soon as camps over, they drop you off. But I was one of like uh one of two out of about 18 guys uh to make the game day roster, and then I started my fourth uh game against the San Francisco 49ers, which is like a dream come true. Yeah. Um and so it's it's always a struggle, you know, and, and that word is interesting. I, I know that words have a profound effect on how we feel. To me, the word struggle doesn't scare me at all. Mm-hmm. Um so you could call it whatever you want, the grind the struggle you know, life, but it's, it's tough. And, um, but I love it. I've learned to love it. Cause you have to. And that's one of the things as an athlete that I learned. It's like, if you don't, if you don't learn to appreciate and respect the struggle, pain, mm-hmm. um, good luck. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So it's helped to develop my philosophy a lot, man. Can I ask you this? Cause there's, there
0: are like two ways to do it. You can embrace the pain. You can kind of double down go deep into the pain or you can numb yourself to it and then there's stuff in between. But how do you, how do you navigate that? How do you know you're doing that? Right?
1: Man, that's a great question, man. And I think the answer to those questions, there's only a small select few of people who can answer those. Yeah. And you know what I found is those are the people who actually went through the fire. Right? Sure. So it's like you never really know the balance until you find the balance. And mm-hmm. it's a search, mm-hmm. you're, It's con- you're constantly searching. So for example, like in a relationship, I know you're married, you know, the, the question becomes as a man, you know, when do you be vulnerable? And then when do you have to show up strong for your wife? Right? right? It's not like you can be crying to your wife all day, but then at the same time, vulnerability breeds closeness, togetherness, and that's mm-hmm. an important part. But then so- there's sometimes where it's like, yo, your wife needs you to man up. She needs you to like say everything's gonna be okay, right? Yeah. And and it's a struggle, man. It literally just today, dude. I had a a little a little feud with my wife, right? Where I felt like it was one of those times to maybe steer her in a different direction, sort of, you know, help redirect her thoughts. But at that time, what she needed me to do is just listen, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a tough lesson for for guys to learn is that sometimes we gotta just listen. But sometimes you do need to coach her up. You do need to redirect her in the right way. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that line from like venting and complaining is kind of a tight line right yeah and it's the same thing with kids i have five kids and so i guess the the long the long uh answer to your question is i'm searching for that balance but what i what i found in myself is that numbing myself to the pain usually means i'm ignoring it and i'm and when i ignore it or don't discover it and become intimate with it i don't really learn as much from it yeah and so I've become very intimate with my pain with the struggles because when you do that, especially while it's going on, you learn like what is it that you actually believe that's holding you back like if you've ever been tight on money that 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 intense anxiety that comes along with being low on money, you learn a lot about yourself if you but if you try to numb yourself, if you go play video games all day or you know drink beers just to take away the pain, mm-hmm. you'll never really find the lessons there so I like to err on the side, and I always say this I err on the side of to like more aggressive, meaning like I'll dive in, I'll dig into pain. Like when my kids, man, like, and me and my wife kind of get into this sometimes because I I actually value conflict. Like when my kids argue, that's good. Like get it out, talk about that. I want to understand why you feel that way towards your sister, you know, like, and and for your sister, why is she so upset at you? Let's talk about it. Because on the other side of that pain is clarity. There's a lot of clarity, but you kind of have to sift through it. And that's tough and it requires courage. But um, that's why I do the work that I do now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what a weird mix it must be. What What do you think the breakdown is in the uh, NFL or on your team, the, the Saints, while you were there, between the people who are you know truly gifted freak athletes well, uh, and yeah. the guys like you who are, are scrappy and no one's yeah. going to stop you?
1: Right. Well, what's that's the breakdown? Great, yeah, that's a great question, man. I would say... I mean, obviously everyone at the professional level has some level of talent, et cetera, right? right? But once you get there, like once you kind of sift your way through, you know, each level, high school, you know, guys sift through to the top, to the next level. In the NFL, I would honestly say about I would say ninety ten. Ninety wow. being guys who are just dogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who got, got enough talent to play, right? And but they're just dogs. Like they they they're tenacious they're persistent they work Mm -hmm. hard they 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 do the right things they're healthy they eat the right foods they avoid injury there's some luck involved and some grace then you got about 10 percent of guys like the reggie bushes right sure that are just freaks um the you you know the adrian petersons of the world and those type of things but you look at a team like the patriots i would argue it's even less on that team because you can't call tom brady one of those guys yeah you can't call you know Garrett Blunt, one of those guys and this is necessarily um so my point is at the at that level even Drew Brees when I was playing there uh Drew Brees was the quarterback Drew Brees is six foot yeah. <laughs> you know like you see him he looks like a regular dude like he does not look like a an all the Amer- or not all American but a hall of fame quarterback right. that um will go down as one of the greatest to ever do it so it's about 90 10 man that's what I would say
0: wow I love that I wasn't expecting it to be that that breakdown but that's encouraging that should be encouraging yeah, to everybody it
1: is Right, 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 and I think that in general, man, if you look at any you know even in this podcasting world, right, or uh, you know in the the online space, mm-hmm. authors, coaches, speakers, et cetera, I mean, let's be honest, you got the the Tony Robbins. I would call him he's a freak, right yeah. <laughs> He's a freak, I mean but that's I, a compliment. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah that's a, like I mean his his levels of I mean his energy, but even that, see, he'll tell you he created that. You right. see what I'm saying? He built that. So everyone's blessed with some level of talent. Some are blessed with more. Some might have a, you know, a like you got that voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got a good voice. You got you a good voice like yourself. A, hey, hey, but we and we got to we got to cultivate it. Right. And yeah. then people look and say, oh, man, they're lucky or this. Look at Steph Curry, man. Like Stephen Curry is like six, three i was reading my son the uh steph curry like little kids book yeah this dude was smart. like people laughed at him when they said he was gonna go to the nba yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and this dude built he created who he was so i think we can look at examples anywhere and say this whole talent thing is overrated and there's actually a book called talent is overrated that's that's a great book yeah that goes into that but i truly do believe that man you can create you can build you can design who you are um, and that's the thing I'm i'm really excited about helping other people to do cool
0: now let's Bearing that in mind, that, that breakdown, uh, I watched a, a documentary, I think it was a couple of years ago, about uh, pro NFL athletes, uh, and mm-hmm. pro athletes in general, a few years after they finished playing. And right. uh, it's extremely discouraging from a financial perspective, <laughs> right, because right. <laughs> something like two years, and I'm making this up, but I think it is around this, like two years after they stop playing ball, like 75% are either broke or bankrupt. Right? right, so so how do you take this? What what you built, and obviously the the skills and discipline you built that you brought to the uh, podcasting world, the business world. Um, what separates the people who are able to do that from those who um, self destruct, or or the guys who are still pumping gas, right? Like, wh-
1: man, what what's yeah. the breakdown? That's such a great question, man. And so I actually, well, I've never thought of it like this. I was one of the seventy percent or seventy five percent. First of all, when you're in the NFL, very I, I don't know the exact breakdown. Most guys are not rich necessarily. It takes some time to become wealthy in the NFL. Right. Unless you're a guy who's getting the multi-million dollar contracts. But even then you got the contracts, you know, they're not all guaranteed, et cetera. But my point is, in the first couple of years, man, nothing's guaranteed at all. So mm-hmm. you actually have to play in order to get paid. And so I was never, you know, super wealthy, but I definitely made a lot, you know, coming out of college. That I didn't necessarily know what to do with, right I was more on the side of like ignorant, meaning like I wasn't reckless, I didn't go spend my money but I was just ignorant, I didn't know how to invest, I didn't know what to do with my money, so it kind of yeah. sat there once I was done, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I wanted to do next and you know uh spending my money on training and trying to get back to the n f l and that didn't work out and so I would say the things that helped me get some clarity because that's what's missing is the clarity yeah. right. Because when you're done, your your identity is attached to football and then it's like taken from you. Right. So if you find yourself trying to create a whole nother identity, that's pretty hard, especially if you don't know what identity to create. Mm -hmm. And so I actually just did an interview with Thomas Williams. He's a, a USC linebacker. And he played in the NFL for several years. And this was brilliant. I wish I would have had his mindset when I got done. He said literally when he got done, when he got cut from the, I think it was the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he got into the regular world, all he did is he took his schedule that the NFL gave him because we're very regimented Mm -hmm. uh, as football players. Mm -hmm. Wake up this time, breakfast, workout, watch film. He literally just transferred that schedule and just crossed out things and just put in different things. Right. So he's like, all right, I'm still going to wake up, still going to work out, still going to do my, you know, breakfast and things instead of watch film. I'm going to read. I'm going to learn. Right. Instead of, you know, practice, I'm going to go out there and meet people and introduce myself. I'm gonna network. And, And he was able to make an almost seamless shift. Right. And so I would say your perspective and how you look at it. So if you look at when you're done with football, if you look at it as you're not the same guy your identity is will never be the same your identity is so much attached to this thing you're gonna have a rough time mm-hmm. but the faster you make that perspective shift and say all right well let me just take the skills that i've got here and just apply them here right i was actually uh i was listening to this uh, tony robbins interview a few days ago and he was talking about how he helped uh the hulk right uh what's his name the guy's uh whatever the guy there the hulk, are a few of the, them the original the original hulk right <laughs> the original hulk okay <laughs> yeah yeah and how he had problems speaking right like he had problems speaking and then tony robbins came work with it was like listen just take whatever made you successful as the hulk like just take that same mindset and just shift it just bring it on the stage mm-hmm. and sometimes it is that simple you and i were talking before it's like we like to over complicate things it's like oh no what am i gonna do now and so even if you look at what I'm doing now, almost makes perfect sense. Right. Considering my background and, you mm-hmm. know, I played sports. I now work with athletes, showing them how to develop confidence and create that killer instinct. But it wasn't so simple, you know, in those two to three years post uh, football as I was going through a fire trying to figure it out. Right. So that's what if I had someone really like with me, walking me through it. I would want someone to simplify that for me and say, yeah. hey, man, like you don't have to necessarily change your identity as much as you think. Why mm-hmm. don't you just take the things that made you great here and just shift the resources over here? And it will take some time to, to tweak it and figure it out. And then I would also remind myself that there really is no failure. It's It's just a matter of figuring it out and tweaking it along uh, along the way and then also using like the mistakes that I made in the past to learn and and things like that so I think that's one of the things that prevents people from doing that and it is hard to watch you know and that's again one of the reasons why I'm so committed to doing what I'm doing now because I don't want people going through the same things that I went through it can be pretty seamless so Mm -hmm. yeah that reminds me
0: of something that I kind of worked out recently because uh at this point and and we're very fortunate for this, but I realized that I can kind of create my own schedule. I can say no to things I can, uh, right. you know, take time writing. And a lot of people ask me, uh, who are getting started, whether it's, you know, working for themselves for the first time in the, in the gig economy or being an entrepreneur and, and everything in between, they're just like, how do you get anything done working from home? You know, because that's a big shift. I'm sure if you go from uh, having a coach and all of these teammates who you're hyper accountable to all the Mm -hmm. time to just. All right, now you can do whatever you want. That's a very scary thing for us. To, to handle because you're always waffling back and forth. You're like, am I doing the right thing right now? Does this matter? Am I wasting <laughs> right. my time? Am I, is this the right grind? Because it feels like I'm grinding right now, right? Right, right, right. Uh, how do you sort it all out? And I realized um, when was I at my happiest? Probably when I was, when I was a kid uh, or when I was in college, when, you know, being social was part of my life, when uh, recess and gym were built into the day. When right. we had dedicated times to eat, dedicated times to hang out, dedicated times to uh, read, do theater, do all these things. And, and then I'm just like, what are the things that I really love? to? Do? It's all those things. I want to do all of them <laughs> um, because I think that's what makes you a good human. Not doing one thing necessarily. That can be great, too. If you're a virtuoso right. and that's your thing, beautiful. But I'm more of a generalist. I like spreading right. it all out. And I just thought, what a perfect template. Just uh, basically create your perfect school day. Just one yeah. And fill it up with the stuff that you want to do that you know will help you reach your goals. And it can be general, right? It's like like you said, I'm gonna I'm still gonna work out. I'm gonna eat lunch. I mean, actually this doesn't change much right. at all, except I don't have games anymore. So I can exactly. I can make my own games. And that's what I realized. It's like when I started up this show, that was when I stopped doing live performances for, for mm-hmm. music and art and that sort of thing. Because I was doing like over 200 a year and you can't mm-hmm. do all these things at the same time. But then when you kind of shift gears and you subtract things and you uh, start to build your day the right way, you can uh, have your cake and eat it too. And, and it's like the, the diligence, the discipline is kind of built in because it's not hard to wake up and be like, okay, I'm going to drink some water. Uh, I'm going to go do this workout that's already picked out. Right. right. It's, it's programmed in. And with like the technology that, that we have today on our wrist, uh, on our phones, soon in our brains and eyes or whatever, it's like you, you can have that accountability to some degree. You can have the built in uh, uh, social aspect of it and accountability there, even with social media, even if you're stuck out in the middle of the woods somewhere, right. you can make this stuff work. You just have to be scrappy. So how do people learn how to be scrappy like clearly you are?
1: That's a man that's a great question. So that's the ultimate challenge, right? And so it's easy and this is why, you know, people listening to this podcast, I guarantee you're like similar to people listening to my podcast, the type who listen to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. and read a lot of books, the challenge becomes like how do you do the thing? Like do right. it, right? right? And and actually take what you're learning and actually apply it. And so that's that's what I do. I think I feel like it takes someone to show you it first. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that comes in the form of what you just said. Someone listening is going to hear that and say, oh, OK, cool. And then they're going to say, well, well, how do I know if I'm doing this right? Right. Yeah. Like they still don't they don't trust themselves all the way. And that's where I feel like a coach comes in, a mentor, someone, a, mm-hmm. a book, something that can shake their world up. And then I believe it comes with the breakthrough of changing your idea of failure. You know, like I'm telling you, if if you're trying to do this thing right, quote unquote, you're going to be in for a rough one because mm-hmm. there is no right or wrong. Like the way you just talked about your day, that's not right for someone else. No, but absolutely that's your not. day. You see what I'm saying? That's <laughs> yeah. your day though. And right. you know yourself. Yep. So I think it was Shakespeare, you know, to thine own self, be be true, right? Be true to yourself. So why aren't people true to themselves? a lot of past conditioning, a lot of previous conditioning and things we've been told and ideas we have about, you know, failure and all these types of things. So I would say to define what you believe failure is. Right. Mm. And so I used to believe that failure meant if you try something and it doesn't work out, then it failed. And so Mm. naturally, I don't like to fail. I'm wired that way. Now I don't know who anyone who loves to fail. And so I would avoid things that would might maybe lead to failure. And how does that work out for a young entrepreneur? Not very well, right? (laughs) Especially when no no one knows knows who who you are, you have no idea what you're doing. And so I very quickly had to come to grips with the fact that, yo, I got to define failure, man. So for me, failure is if you just give up, like if you just tap out. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, for some people, that's what they've done. As long as I'm in the game, I am winning. Like I'm winning today. It doesn't matter if some if I try something it doesn't work out because I'm awake. I'm alert. I'm fine. I'm 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 evaluate. I'm gonna figure. Okay, I tried this, man. I I listened to the to Abel's podcast, man, and I tried to do this and this and this. You know, this part worked out. This one didn't work out so well. Same thing with diets, etc. Mm-hmm. If you're trying, like, figure out your what they call your your ess your evolution or what do they call it evolution stable strategy right find your your thing find your recipe your Mm -hmm. mix Mm -hmm. you go to chili cook off they got a bunch of different types of chilies and they're all good right you got some real spicy got some with beans some without beans it doesn't matter you got to find yours and that's where you the the changing of the ideas of failure is the biggest breakthrough in that way and i would say write it out write out what your definition of failure is mm-hmm. and what's your definition of success is because if we're honest with ourselves failure is a feeling that's all it is it's not like anyone you know slaps failure on your head yeah so i felt like a failure after football there was no one who deemed me a failure like mm-hmm. i i felt that way because of what i cre what i decided that it meant right, right. so when you decide what it means you can create your own emotions and the emotions lead to the actions and how you move day to day. Right. So if I wake up feeling like a million bucks every day because I'm winning, even when it's not going that great. Mm -hmm. I've I've rigged the game to win. Right. And to me, and and I let me not act like I wake up feeling great every day and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. No, that's quite the opposite. Like there are many days where I'm frustrated, I'm angry, et cetera. But to me, the goal of life is not happiness necessarily or feeling positive all the time. I'm in the game. So that yeah. just knowledge and awareness that I'm living in this game, that I'm here today, I'm living my dreams, that gives me a lot of fulfillment, which I believe is the purpose of life, right? To be fulfilled. And just like you have a good dish, it's not like one thing that makes it great. It's a lot of things, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of emotions, positive, negative, sweet, sour, right? All these type of, you know, this these contrast. And so again, I've just learned to uh, enjoy that contrast. But I would tell, tell those people who are trying to figure out, you know, what their thing is, Change your definition of failure, you know, change it, write it down, decide on what you want to believe on that, put it up on your wall and condition it every day. Read it, write it down, visualize what life would be like if you actually believe this. There's plenty of exercises that you can do to strengthen a belief, but that's at the that's at the essence of what I'm so fired up about is developing belief which is what we call as athletes, mental conditioning, Mm -hmm. developing a sense of belief in what you're doing, rewiring your thoughts and ideas, because we know that those are what leads to the emotions, the actions, and ultimately the actions, right, are what get the results. So I would, I'm big on that, man. That's where we start. You got to change your idea of failure.
0: Yeah. I love that. Now you have been around uh, people at the top of their game for years. And I'm sure some of that rubs off on you. And I'd like to hear some of the misconceptions about people at the top, and also uh, what, what people at the top know that most people don't, what they live by that most people, you know, it, it, it wouldn't even occur to them. So I'd like to hear that, but, but first I'm gonna answer with uh, someone who, was, I asked that question in a past show, and he's like a sports psychologist, uh, top performance coach, and he works with pro athletes, and I, and I asked him that, and he, he just said, without missing a beat, he's like, breathing. They know mm. how to breathe right
1: and i thought that was really good but what do you got man so i would say let me start with first some of the misconceptions mm-hmm. about those at the top they are not always motivated fired up mm-hmm. you know feeling great what they figured out that most people haven't is that it really doesn't matter how you feel yeah it doesn't matter you got to get it done mm-hmm. and so i would write like the, the book relentless by tim grover great book this guy trained you know michael jordan kobe bryant when you are relentless as he calls it a cleaner you crave the end result so bad you're willing to do whatever it takes right so it doesn't matter i mean there's days when you're sore you can't walk you know it's 95 degrees out there the humidity is just through the roof and you don't feel like playing football the guys who are great the drew breezes they go out there regardless mm-hmm. they do what must be done regardless of how they feel and because they have what I call godlike purpose right and so that's the difference those who are sh- really great that their ability to do what must be done regardless of how they feel is not magical it's not like ingrained in them since birth mm-hmm. it's because they have a really profound deep purpose in what it is that they're doing and I don't say godlike purpose to to insinuate that you know all athletes are trying to change the world or anything mm-hmm. you look at I always use an example of Muhammad Ali versus Floyd Mayweather, two of the greatest boxers ever, right? Muhammad Ali, his purpose, he didn't even like boxing, actually. His purpose was to bring awareness to the inner cities, mm-hmm. to what, the plight of the blacks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Floyd money, Maywe- money Mayweather, he doesn't care nothing about that. He cares about money. Mm-hmm. He cares about you know, how people are going to remember him. He cares about his family, et cetera, right? It's not right or wrong, but their purpose is so profound. It's so deep. And it's real it runs through their veins so it gets them to do that other people don't do right yeah because what needs to be done is not rocket science let's mm-hmm. be honest it's not rocket science you go you could figure out the process of any one of these just read i was reading uh, i think it's called beneath beneath the water or something it's about uh michael phelps his mm-hmm. autobiography you go read it you get any book man kobe Bryant's biography called showboat you find out exactly what these guys do mm-hmm. this many shots you know this is their diet you know, this is what they do. Kobe Bryant spent 30 minutes exercising his knuckles. Okay, but all this different stuff. That's not the complicated part. The complicated part is how do you actually do that? Like mm-hmm. when you don't feel like doing it. And the way you do that is you find your purpose. And so that's what I would say is the biggest difference. The misconception, man, that guys are not like wired a certain way, man. They just mm-hmm. gotta, they just got a reason behind what they're doing, and they know what it is, mm-hmm. and and they do what must be done regardless.
0: Yeah. So what do you, now that you're um, not really going after pro ball anymore, what are you training for? How do you make it worth it to stay in shape? How do you know if you're wasting too much time on it not spending enough? How do you, how do you calculate all that?
1: That's a great question, man. It's funny. I I struggle with that a lot because I still, I still have this like football player mentality Mm -hmm. um, where I feel like I have to be lifting all these weights and doing those things. And it's just not practical. I got my gym here, you know, like in my house. And I work out still probably about four, five, if I work out five, five times a week, uh, weightlifting, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a great week. it's yeah. usually my goal. It's hard to get to that. And so I've struggled to find that same sort of drive and motivation. And so now it's like, I've got children, the work that I do, there's a sense of urgency behind that. I told right. you I quit my job last year as a firefighter. It's yeah. like, this is not a game to me. Like I got to make it work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, um, that's why you're doing energy- what it takes. Exactly. My energy is of the utmost importance. Because if I'm sluggish, man, I can't show up in the way that I need to. And I got clients who depend on me. I got people who listen to my podcast who depend on me. One of my key beliefs, I got it written on my wall is the world needs me at my best. So, The world needs me at my best. So that means I have to be at my best. Mm -hmm. So that means I must make the efforts to be at my best. And I'm smart enough because I read and I, I read your book. I listen to podcasts. I know what you eat is critical. I know how you exercise and things like that is critical as well. And so I'm always trying to like just double down on that, you know, and just like one of my goals actually is to fall in love with working out. I feel like over the past year and a half, I've kind of developed a sort of stale you know rigid mindset towards right. exercise and that's dangerous to me mm-hmm. I want working out to be fun so you you mentioned you know uh running hills I love running hills I ran hills all the time in college in, you know in in, in high school in the, in the league so why don't I still run hills so, so that's what I do now I take my kids out on Saturday mornings <laughs> they run with me and we do push-ups at the top you know and rep it out and so I like running Good. hills so I'm gonna do that
0: <laughs> can I ask you do they think that it's hard yet do they think <laughs> that it's rough and they don't want to do it or is it fun
1: so right now, it's actually it, – it, I'm glad you asked that. They, they don't complain about that. Yeah. What, what, I, what I found is that the more sold I am on something, right, like, the more sold – they see that dad is serious. And not serious as in like, you guys are going to come out <laughs> and run these hills with me. Like I'm not that ignorant to you know try to them, motivate my kids in that way. But when they see my conviction, they see my passion, they know I love them and they know that I teach them why things are important. Mm-hmm. So even I don't, I don't even come at them from a health standpoint. I talk to them about discipline. I talk mm-hmm. to them about getting what it is that they want in life. You're going to have to do things that are hard. So I want you to embrace these things and not only that. The those who are highly successful, they also have the ability to make things fun that are hard. So yes. look at them in a different way. And so they have fun when we go out there. You know, my 5-year-old, she's running. Kids kids have energy, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like they they love a the challenge. My 2-year-old, I so I put him in the um in the in his little in his little stroller thing. We I drive him up, you know, uh on the first like 8. We do we usually do like 10 to 15. And then on the last two, <laughs> he goes out and he runs. And he's running up there, man, and he's trying to do his push-ups, and it's amazing because you can my goal is to wire my kids in that way where they look at this stuff like it's fun. Man, one of my biggest goals this year is to homeschool my kids starting this fall. And I have this really great idea. It's actually inspired by um, Joe DeSena, who has the uh, Spartan race. He started right. Spartan race. Really good dude. He was on my podcast. And, um, and I was like, man, why don't I have a Spartan day? When I, when I do my uh, curriculum, one day is going to be Spartan day. My kids are going to wake up at 4 a.m., we're going to go run outside in the dark, in the cold. They're going to have like one meal that day, just one meal. They're going to drink water all day, just one meal. And that day, the whole theme is going to be about restraint, mm-hmm. discipline. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? The ability to like restrain and not indulge in all of your, you know, animalistic desires, whether it's, you know, to sleep, fall, yeah. you know, even be in bed to, you know, it's cold outside, you know, we uh, doing push-ups in the garage, it's got the hard floor and we do the planks, And like, ah, it hurts. It's like, do it, (laughs) you know, like do it. We, Man, kids are so soft, dude. I'm telling you, I work with, um, you know, one of my mentors, Mark Devine. Man, I know you know Mark Devine, right? He's great. He's been on the show a couple of times. Yeah. Awesome dude, man. When you get around a dude like that, you feel soft. Like, you're like, man, what I'm doing is nothing compared to that. Right. And that's why if you look here on my wall, man, I got Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, you know. I love uh, your backdrop. (laughs) <laughs> Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X. These dudes went through real mm-hmm. shit. You know, what I'm going through is nothing. Mm-hmm. So if I, if you're going to – I tell my kids, you're going to complain about, you know, your elbows being a little scraped up. Go look at some of these homeless kids out here in downtown Portland. You, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You complain about running 10, 10 hill sprints. Go look at all these people who are overweight walking the aisles of this grocery store. You want to look like that? Because it starts here. It starts right now. Mm-hmm. And so they know I'm serious. And I believe that my conviction kind of comes through So it's I feel like and I'm 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 glad I'm thinking about this because I remember when it wasn't always like this, you know, the kids complain and I have my two sons who, you know, just recently got full custody and my oldest daughter, she's my stepdaughter. And so I met her when she was seven. So it was almost like I had to change the culture a little bit and there was a lot of friction. And there still is friction, man, but it's just, it just comes down to being sold, you know, on, on what it is that, that your vision is. So, yeah, I think that's such a great way
0: to think about it, because I realized this in witnessing my parents now and then that uh, I didn't learn from I learned very little from what they told me. Sorry, mom. But <laughs> I learned everything from the way they were in front of me from right. their you know, I was reading their emotions. Were they psyched about what we were about to do? Yeah, the thing yeah, that we, yeah. like, we really needed to do or whatever. Were they psyched <laughs> about it? Because if they weren't, then there's no way I want to leave the house. I was such a shy kid. I never wanted to open my mouth, let alone leave the house. And so once you see, uh, you know, your parents conquer their fears, this is really interesting. Um, my parents joined Toastmasters, which is like a group where you oh, learn yeah, public speaking yeah. back in the day, this is, this is years ago. So I watched my parents go from being super afraid about ever talking to to uh, you know I was in the uh, Center Harbor town band I played clarinet when I was a little kid and saxophone uh-huh. in this band and my dad turned into the MC and I saw oh, him talk so cool. in front of everyone and I can guarantee that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I didn't see things like that
1: man you know dude I, man that gives me so much encouragement right <laughs> just hearing totally. that like honestly that is so awesome cuz you we are influenced by our parents, yo. Like I don't – no matter how old we get as well, for you to see your parents do that and to have that influence, that's powerful. So I hope people are listening now who are parents and realize like what you do really does matter. That makes me look at everything that I do differently. I'm glad you told me that story. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a good
0: point because you can, you can bring it to other parts of your life too. It's like kids don't have to eat chicken nuggets off the kid's menu. Right. We we can make the rules again. <laughs> exactly. We have to. So talk yeah. about that a little bit because I am sure that you've been ostracized, friends have attacked you, let you down, you've lost friends because you were dedicated to excellence and success, and uh, that can be polarizing. So how do you how yeah. do you deal with that and how do you manage the the haters?
1: That's a great question, man. Like I told you, I was a firefighter for three years. Right. So after right. I got done playing football, I became a firefighter. And it was in the beginning, it was like in that first year where I was really starting to, my, my philosophy, my vision was starting to crystallize. And I was getting very clear about how I wanted to live and what I wanted to do and, and and the moves that I needed to make. And so I was already plotting my retirement. Of course, I didn't tell these guys. I was just, I had the date in mind. But as I, like when you're a firefighter, you live with these guys. So you're immersed in this environment. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's a powerful, strong environment. I mean, it's, you know, the macho firefighters, you know, you you don't want to be that guy. And the way they eat, horrible. Guys Mm -hmm. sitting on the couch all day, not watching, or watching TV all day, not exercising. Even just the way they approach it was like polar opposite of how I wanted to live my life and all these things that I'm reading and learning and being mentored on. And so I kind of like had to go through the fire, if you will. So that means like at one point I had to decide like just with food, for example, I'm not gonna eat what you guys are eating i can't eat that dude (laughs) like i I have to go home from work after getting no sleep and then record eight episodes and i got five kids i'm not gonna be able to last off this stuff Mm -hmm. and so i started making my own meals you know and saying no to the things and of course guys are talking Mm -hmm. you know uh you know starting little rumors and you know you know kind of making like one of the things that they would do is make it seem like i was um looking down on them more like uh when I wasn't, I was just like, "Yo, I'm. I just not eating that. Like, I don't. You guys can eat whatever you want. I don't. I don't need. <laughs> we know Tuesday. that vegetables
0: aren't cool. I know. <laughs> right. the Vegetables are not cool when I eat vegetables in public. It's like <laughs> it's not about you.
1: <laughs> right. Right. You eat what you eat. But isn't that funny how people get so insecure because they know what they're doing is not serving them long term? And so I, I went through that. Of course, friends and family as well. When I quit my job, my dad is like, "Yo, what are you doing? You know. And I remember I wrote an email to my family. I was like, "Listen. If you guys don't have anything to say, that's good or that's encouraging. Just don't say anything to me because I know that this is going to be a rough couple months for me, you know, because I really don't know what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. but I know I need to do this. And and so so yeah, you're going to deal with that. You're going to deal with friends kind of just falling off naturally just because like You're just in the different now. Like it's like you're you're no longer going to bars and you know drinking and all those type of things. You're you're taking care of your body. You're you're trying to reach your goals, trying to become something, become something significant, add value to the world. And so naturally, it kind of happens. And um, it's been a little easier for me to handle than it has been for my wife, honestly. Okay. Um, like my wife has a lot of friends that she grew up with that's mm-hmm. been it's been tough, you know, because women and their friends is kind of different. Like they got like, is, yeah, it's, it's like a lot more emotional, whereas guys were kind of more disposable. Right, man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all right, man, I'll see you later. And it's not even like I don't consider them friends anymore. It's just like we just don't hang out. No we're more. different and
0: creatures. That's all right.
1: It is. Right. But um, <laughs> so it is that's definitely a challenge. But it, so anyone listening and like going through that, I would just encourage you and tell you that. It is painful naturally because we're human beings and we're packed creatures and we, you know, we do value the opinions of others and we always will. But the reward of being a leader is so much greater. Yeah. And what happens is that a lot of these people will come around. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you have to be patient. So I was reading uh, Frederick Douglass's um autobiography, and check this. This 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 was like so chilling when I read it. He said he believes that. There are thousands of slaves that would have escaped if it weren't for the binds that they had with their friends. Mm. So they literally opted to be slaves still just because they didn't want to leave their friends. Yeah. How powerful is that? But he actually had the courage to go against that human instinct, which is to stay with the – to not change, to stay with the people Mm -hmm. that you love, that you've grown up with, that you went through all these things with, to separate himself from it. And he became Frederick Douglass. Yeah. He's and he's now remembered as changing like the 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 course of American history. Right. right. So I'm not suggesting that you and I are going to change the course of American history. That would be really cool if we did. However, we don't want to be like a slave who opts to for comfort and safety. Right. As opposed to growth and impact. We want to value different things. And so I just remind myself of that when anything gets uncomfortable, you know, when I'm in situations where it's like. We always want things to be safe and comfortable. And that's just human nature, man. It's mm-hmm. one of the 25 uh, cognitive biases. I was reading uh, Charlie Munger's, Munger's book, The uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac. The, and the first one he talked about is that pleasure pain bias. We're always going to be biased to move towards things that feel good and avoid things that are painful. Mm-hmm. But if we can just know that about ourselves, not beat ourselves up, and just opt for valuing growth, like, vision right like uh yeah. and i would say control you know like when you're a slave to your environment and to your surroundings you don't have a lot of control i like being in control i like having my own i like you know driving mm-hmm. the car of my life you know like i like being in the driver's seat and that's just a lot better feeling and in time they will come around and maybe some of them won't but that's the price <laughs> you yeah. know that's the price
0: it's a it's a symptom it's a side effect and it's a a clue then maybe you're on the right path. If, uh, right. if you're the weird one in the room and people are uh, coming after you, usually that means that they're paying attention. They're watching,
1: like right. we were talking
0: about before. And I experienced exactly the same thing. I think I wrote about it in my book, where uh, at the beginning, I knew it was not cool to do what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning, when I was hanging out with my friends, and I got ribbed a lot but over <laughs> the course of the next few weeks and months after, you know, I had Brad Pitt's body or looked like the Wolverine all of a sudden (laughs) with my shirt off and they were still, you know, looking a little tubby or at least the freshman (laughs) 15 that never went away. You know, it's still there. Dang, that was pretty cool. And they're like, so what are you doing again? Then, So you have to be willing and and you have to know that if you're a little bit ahead of the pack, you're going to take the heat before anyone else does. And sometimes you have to fall on the sword a little bit. And that's why it's good to not take any of this too seriously. Right, and to right. when other people make it personal to remind them that it's uh, it's not.
1: <laughs> no, I hear you, man. That's easier said than done. Exactly. Exactly.
0: But it's a challenge. So we're coming up on time. We could talk all day, man. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, could you tell folks a little bit more about your podcast and some of the projects that you're working on?
1: Absolutely, man. So I have two podcasts. It started with the Sports Motivation podcast, and I wanted to create a platform for people to learn like learn about the mindset and the strategies that it takes to dominate their sport Mm -hmm. or their industry. There's a lot of people who listen to podcasts outside of athletes and these principles apply to anything. And, and so there's a lot of teaching involved, man. Like, it's like, I'm breaking it down. I I always used to hate how people would always say, Oh, you just got to be confident. You got to have mental toughness and nobody ever teaches you how to do it. And so Mm I've been creating and developing these systems and taking what I've learned and accumulated all this knowledge from books and things. And that's the other thing I was going to say to what you said earlier, man, is like another way is to put yourself around other people Mm -hmm. to where you're the low one, to where you feel anxiety. Because you're like, man, so if you hang around some guys, you're like, like my podcast, I'm looking at your podcast, you got like 1500 reviews. I'm like, yeah, I can't feel to like like it's like that's the opposite effect right where it's like i want to reach and using peer pressure for that example so but anyway the sports motivation podcast i believe if you are someone who aspires to be a high performer then you would be and please forgive me if this sounds arrogant you would be an idiot if you don't listen to my podcast <laughs> and that is not me that's not me overselling or anything that's just straight up because what i found is that there's not really Things out there for high performers that actually shows them how to do this stuff.
0: You are and right about that. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm. I'll say, I've heard a lot of sales pitches on this show, and you're not the type of guy at all. But that was awesome. That was it. A-
1: <laughs> Yo, I'm, I appreciate it, but look, uh, that's just like how I literally believe, and I'm a humble dude. But it's like I, because the the things that I'm giving people, I'm like, there's there's nothing out here because I I do it. You see my my office here, man. I read for days, dude. I'm reading books. I'm like. It's got to be some 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 stuff out there. So there's over 150 plus episodes. Great interviews. I had you on the show. Awesome. Awesome dudes that come on the show. And then I have the get your mind right podcast. And I got to say is what I enjoy creating the most. It's literally four to five minutes of just hard hitting, edgy, motivational content over just dope beats. And I'm just hitting hard, man. And it's fun. Uh, I love hip-hop. I don't rap, but I'm just coming at it from a, a different angle. You're going to love it. You throw it on when you go to the gym. Everyone tells me to listen to it in the morning, get fired up, et cetera. So those two podcasts, Get Your Mind Right podcast and the Sports Motivation podcast, I have a ton of fun doing it. And. um I also just coaching high performers. I got some uh this new eight habits of the dominant athlete video series, which you can check out on my website. I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes and all of that. But like, just th- where you could come and th- the free content that I give away is, is very valuable and people get a lot from it without spending a dime. So definitely check me out. Right on. Well, there are very few podcasts that I personally enjoy listening to, and uh,
0: especially when you combine. Your spoken words, just riffing over those beats. That's, I mean, if you've got three minutes to kill, here's how I look at it all of these big TV networks, all the major media, and all this stuff that's in our face all the time, you can ignore it. You can choose to access your podcast to listen right. to stuff that's going to get you better, not get you brainwashed. And you exactly. can choose that every, like I was talking about before, you can program your day, and this is what I do. I, Obviously, I'm subjected to to things all the time that I don't want to listen to. But when I can throw my earbuds in, my headphones on, or when I'm at home, I am very intentionally choosing to listen to people like you who are chasing after truth, who Mm -hmm. are chasing after knowledge, and doing it uh, for uh, no reason but to improve humanity and the situation that we're in. Because clearly, the world needs help in whatever way you want to define that. And so there's, there's a lot of urgency and I uh, really appreciate people who are doing the work right now. And you've been busy since you had <laughs> me on the podcast the first time that, that we were introduced. And I'm very uh, uh, very impressed with what you've put out there already. And I can't wait to see what you do next. So if you guys haven't listened to Nee's podcast and, and checked out his work, check it out now and check out whatever he's going to be doing next because he's going places. So thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Keep in touch.
1: No doubt, man. I appreciate you having me on, bro.
0: Before you go, don't forget to grab your listener discount on our 30-day fat loss plan. In this plan, we share 30 days of mouth-watering wild diet meal plans that are designed to help you drop fat with real food. The meal plans are paleo-friendly, easy to make, and literally the meals that my wife Allison and I eat just about every day and night to stay lean, fit, and happy. In the program, you'll get the most effective method of meal and nutrient timing to best stimulate fat loss and muscle recovery, the truth about how much protein you really need for your body type, 30 days of specific healthy fat-burning meal plans as a done-for-you nutrition strategy, and tons more. If you check it out today, you'll even get a listener discount. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com forward slash 30 days. That's the number 30-D-A-Y-S. Once again, that's fatburningman.com forward slash 30 days. I'll see you there. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fat-Burning Man. If you liked it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, the podcast app, or wherever else you might be listening to or watching this show. Got a second? please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I always love hearing from you. And if you think someone else might like and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or with a family member. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at FatBurnMan Man and Facebook by typing in Abel James or Fat Burning Man. Drop me a line anytime did you know that i've recorded over 150 episodes of fat burning man winning four awards in independent media and hitting number one in more than eight countries and here's some more good news you can download and listen to every single episode for free all you have to do is type in fatburningman.com i'll give you a second to type it in Fat Burning Man. Com, and you'll get all the show notes in video and audio versions for all the past episodes of Fat-Burning Man. Better yet, enter your best email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free fat burning download straight to your inbox and make sure that you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.